When I was young, I used to bump crossroads at the intersection. Similarly, syllables rip them faster than a millisecond. Opposite of the pulling guard, hit them with the misdirection. These rappers think somebody get them a fresh breath. Man. These boys, rookies like orientation with 10 freshmen. Spitting whack writings, good riddance, that's the death sentence. Defend the throne, pull a model with the interception. Gun laws non existent, unlimited Smith and West. I put on for my poly people across the globe A small number but we worth more than a pot of gold My first love was a Kush blunt in an Optimo Until I met my baby I told Jane you gotta go Grow from sea, flow poetry, family straight Never catch me with a groupie hoe, that's a sad mistake Hit the studio, lay music real people can relate to No matter how good you do, some people still gon' hate you Stay faithful, this is fate, I was born in May 2 Captain of the own What's up everyone and welcome back to the 2 on 1 Fantasy Sports Podcast I'm your commish, Tommy Moe And you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram At 2 on 1 FFB and today, we are back, kicking off Season 4 of the 2-on-1 Pod, presented by the Undroppables Network of Podcasts, and brought to you by AnalystDepot.com. They are making fantasy analysis easy with all the tools you need to create custom rankings and player data, all with the help of Projection AI. All of our projections and rankings are on the website, come courtesy of AnalystDepot.com, and it's super easy to use, and I think you should use it as well. So on today's show... We have two great guests, as usual, and we are kicking off the summer with some NFL updates and talking all things best ball. And to help me do that today is my first guest, making his return to the 2-on-1. He's the official water boy of the Undroppables, the CEO extraordinaire, the man, the myth, the legend, who you can find on Twitter, at 101Chalk. What's up, Chalk? Welcome back to the 2-on-1. Hey, Tommy, thanks for having me back. Um, thrilled to be here today to talk about um, some of the latest news in the NFL. And uh, I've been getting into best ball myself. Uh, I know it's the, it's the latest craze these days. And, you know, I, I've been becoming addicted to best ball. So I'm excited to talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're all starting to get there, too. I mean, we're all a bunch of degenerates playing, you know, redraft dynasty. Now I'm getting into Debbie a lot more. You're getting into best ball. And um, yeah, it just seems like the, the best thing to do. And uh, we have a great guest, a second guest uh, on here today to talk about all things best ball. But before we get to him, uh, how about any updates with uh, with the undroppables? What's going on with the team? Um, any any new comings and goings or uh, what should we expecting to, to see from from our team? Um, I know I'm on the team, but I want you to, you know, let the guests and let the listeners know what they should be expecting from us. Yeah, um, a lot of exciting changes. People that, you know, we started the brand with, uh, Terminator, he actually uh, parted ways with us um, amicably, and he's kind of doing his own stuff now. Uh, so we'll definitely miss his presence uh, among the group. But, you know, with that being said, we, we did recently add uh, one of the newest members of our team. Uh, she's our first woman team member. Uh, it's been a long time coming. And it's Ashley Marie. Um, she's a you know, unique content creator. She's been uh, active on Clubhouse and TikTok. Um, but you know, we're excited to add her to the team and watch her kind of flourish uh, in a content creator role. Um, aside from that, you know, we've uh, been active. We've launched uh, our own Patreon, um, our own Patreon page. Uh, so you can check us out there and, and get some exclusive kind of hands-on uh, insights and analysis from us. And, you know, other than that, we've uh, recently partnered with uh, Underdog uh, Fantasy. 
and you know we're just a affiliate partner with them uh we have our own promo code you can um use promo code undroppable when you sign up for underdog and, and uh you know we can kind of work with you on your best ball strategies uh so that's been one of our exciting kind of changes at the brand uh you know making a connection over there um and other than that, you know, we've just been grinding away. we just just um, getting ready for redraft season. Uh, and then also, of course, you know, the best ball uh, season as well. Yeah, it's uh, Undroppables uh, have been diving in deep uh, to, to get you all that content for for your best ball leagues. Um, and, you know, Underdog Fantasy is the, the new hot uh, website out there to play best ball on. I mean, we were all, you know, addicted to Sleeper for all of our uh, Dynasty leagues. Um but yeah, but, but underdog, I mean, it's it's the new wave of the future and we're all jumping in there. And so, you know, with that, let's bring in our next next guest who is jumping in full with both feet over at underdog. Uh, he, he's someone that Chalk and I have been following for a while now since we were both Southern California residents. And this guy also calls Orange County home. Uh, he's currently with Underdog Fantasy, uh, like I said, but he's uh, and hosting the Underdog Fantasy show on YouTube. But he's also previously with NBC Sports' Roto World and has written and produced content for the USC Trojans and the LA Chargers and was named FSWA's the Fantasy Sports Writers Association's College Writer of the Year in 2019. You can find him on Twitter at Hayden Winks. What's up, Hayden? Welcome to the two-on-one. Thanks for the intro. Really uh, appreciate coming on. Of course, got to chat it up with the Southern California group whenever I can. They actually understand my little accent, some of the phrases I say <laughs> all the time. Other when I'm chatting with Josh Norris from uh, North Carolina and Connecticut, some of these some of these things he doesn't understand what I'm saying. So uh, glad I feel more at home on this show. Definitely. I, I mean, the way we look at it, like they say things we don't understand, but like exactly. our, our lingo is the way it should be. Right. <laughs> and we get some of these East Coast guys and uh, yeah, some of those stuff that just kind of like right off the top of my head, man. So uh, some of those old sayings and um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think we have an accent over here in California, but apparently we do. So <laughs> but yeah, man, thanks for joining us today. Um, we're, we're, we're really excited to have you on. Like I said, we've, we've kind of, Nick and I have kind of followed your work. Um, I went over to HaydenWinks.com and checked out where you kind of curate all your stuff over there. And so, yeah, man, you've just been kind of like a rising star in the community. Um, so we wanted to have you on here today to talk about best balls, especially, um, you know, what you're doing over at Underdog. And so, you know, why don't you let us know about uh, how's the new show going on YouTube and, and what your role is over there? Yeah, th thanks for that. I... I started in fantasy with um, because of Evan Silva tweeted him at like a couple of years ago and he somehow got me over at Roto World nice. did that for about two or three years mixed in with uh, a brief stint with the with the Chargers doing marketing and I kind of was approached by Josh Norris who was my co-host previously when he went and left for Underdog and I thought the opportunity was awesome just because I had played on the platform the previous year and I thought that. Um, it was a very uh, smart group of people. I loved the way that their vision was for the company. And it kind of gave me a, a role where I can do fantasy content for most of my week, but also go back to marketing. That's what I went to school for. It's what I was doing with the Chargers. So it's kind of blending both of these roles. But I I love NBC Sports. I loved working with the Chargers. And then Underdog's been great for the last couple of months here, too. Yeah. And, and what were you doing for, for the Chargers and the Trojans? Um you know, again, I'm kind of a homer for LA teams and what's going on here. So I'm super curious of, of your role with them. So I, I graduated from, from USC and I had a couple of random internships up in LA. Uh, and one of them was with the athletic department. Um, it was some marketing stuff. It was, I was also the person running around. If you went to a, 
the Galen Center at a basketball game, throwing T-shirts around, doing that type of stuff. I was uh, the scoreboard keeper for USC uh, baseball games. Uh, I did a bunch of random stuff. I didn't learn too much from that, but that was just kind of like something to slap on the resume. And then with the Chargers, um, that definitely led me into this Chargers job. And that was a, um, I was in the marketing department um, doing some sponsorship stuff, doing some game day stuff. Um, and I did that for a full season and that kind of got me back. And I learned quickly that I, I missed, uh, working part-time for road to world. So hit back, uh, went back there for two seasons and that brought me to today. So, um, all in all, I, I love the, 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 the content side of it. I, I have, um, an interest in the marketing side and right now my job allows me to do both. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, we always talk to like new people coming into the space and the community. We've done some stuff on Clubhouse on like, you know, how to like build your brand. And, you know, Chalk has been in real integral in that. And, you know, cause he's been pretty successful, you know, to date so far with building a brand. Um, but, you know, people are asking us like, how do we get into the industry and how do we, you know, get into the football space? And, you know, I think your example is a great example of like, you just do it, you know, you just jump in there, you get involved in any way you can. If, you know, with, with doing your stuff at SC, even though, like you said, it wasn't, that you know spectacular but it still like got you into that space and got you into the right people and um i think a lot of times you just gotta like jump in and do it and, and kind of seek your swim and if you're good you're definitely gonna swim and um i think that's what we've all kind of seen from from your content hayden and um interactions on twitter and stuff that you put out there is it's it's all quality you know and so at the end of the day you know you could be the nicest person in the world and and and, and or the most entertaining but if, if the quality of the content's not there like you know does it really matter are you really gonna uh, have longevity, you know, in this industry. And I think uh, someone like you, um, especially as a younger guy too, um, uh, th- that's great to see, you know, because older guys like me, we're like, we're just trying to make it. We're trying to like come back into the space. We, you know, have our, uh, we've made our careers and, and now we're just trying to get into it as a hobby. But someone like you, that's kind of forming his career around that, that for me, that's kind of cool to see because uh, in some ways, like, you're just like, I wish I would have started with what you were doing um, and, and seeing you have some success is great. Um, but you know, we're not here to like talk about how great you are, Hayden. We're here to talk about <laughs> football and underdog. Um, and so, yeah, so you know, with underdog fancy, like, like Chalk said, um, you know, if you go out there and sign up, uh, today, uh, using promo code undroppable, you'll get a free or what is the chalk? What's our promo? Is it 25%? Uh, or? Well, no, it's like, so I know underdog's doing a like a site wide promotion, so you get the $25 um, kind of bonus credit uh, on your first time deposit. Uh, so our promo codes, you know, attached to that as well. And uh, as kind of an added bonus, what we've done is uh, we've created an exclusive Discord community um, around that as well. So if you sign up using our promo code and, and you let us know, uh, you know, we'll we'll basically send you an invite to that Discord channel where we can talk about best ball strategy and kind of help work with you. Uh, we'll set up some drafts together and, and have fun as well. Um, but just kind of extending our own kind of perks and benefits around it just so that we can add value uh and really help drive value for both sides right for the consumer for mm-hmm. underdog and then uh, you know for for our brand you know we just have fun connect people so yeah that's what you can expect to get uh if you sign up with us yeah and that patreon also gets you to that discord channel too so that's one thing that we're doing um with with uh with our patreon and and uh, underdog is getting um 
yeah, the, those people that sign up into our Discord to have some consultations, talk about your team, um, get one on one with the Undroppables. I mean, there's 22 something of us, so it's a lot of people to to bounce ideas off and, and get some uh, information from. But uh, when it comes to best ball, Hayden, and we've you know this is definitely a little bit more of a dynasty podcast. We definitely talk redraft, and um, like I said, uh, I said earlier, I'm kind of jumping in, you know, full force into Debbie. So I'm sure I'll talk to Debbie sometime in this podcast. But one thing we haven't talked about much is best ball. Um, and, and and we have, but we we don't dive into it too much. And, you know, I'm sure most people that listen to this show um, are a little bit more of the fancy football degenerates uh, like the rest of us that that know, you know, like all the different formats and play everywhere. But for anyone, anyone listening that doesn't, um, can you just let us know, like, basically what best ball is, you know, and, and how it differs from normal uh, fantasy football, um, especially a redraft league. So with best ball, it's just the draft. And I know if we're doing a bunch of other leagues, I know if there's a lot of people doing dynasty and they like all of a sudden Wednesday comes around and like, they're trying to set their lineups and they forgot to do their ads and drops all of that headache stuff that we kind of don't have time for at underdog fantasy. All you have to do is, is draft. You do 18 round draft and, uh, we pick your optimal lineup each week of the year. So that means that you don't have to be adding players. You don't have to be dropping players. There's no bad trade requests that piss us off because they're sending you their worst player for your best player. None of that stuff. It's just the draft. And uh, best ball just means we're picking your optimal lineup for, throughout the season. So um, we have regular style drafts where it's just you're going against um, 11 people in the draft. There's $3 drafts. There's $50 drafts. And then we also have Best Ball Mania 2, which is the $25 draft. And that's where you're competing against over 150,000 people. Um, that first place is a million dollars. The tournament in general wow. has $0.5 million. Um, it's the biggest Best Ball tournament there is. And right now you can draft um, right now. And the good thing about it is you can do 10, 15, 20 drafts because you don't have to keep track of your rosters. All you're doing is spending the 45 minutes for the draft and then you forget about that that entire team so uh, it's the most convenient style of fantasy out there right now it's perfect blend if you love dynasty if you love devi leagues but you want to have a little bit of a redraft format this is the easiest one to manage you're only just drafting yeah yeah i have a buddy that i work with that gets into like 25 30 best balls every year just because he's loves to gamble essentially <laughs> and that yeah. gives him a way to get into a lot of different uh scenarios and, and try to win some money um and then i was just talking to my my best friend this weekend while i was in las vegas and you know he had no idea about best ball so i was trying to break it down from and what the different strategies and why you would want to play best ball and you know um i, I think it it everyone should play i think everyone should play best ball but i think the 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 fancy football player that is in like 10 to plus leagues you know into 20 leagues that um just can't you know not scratch that itch to go join another league and play more fancy football uh, i think best ball is the best fit for that kind of person um who, who wants to like hedge his bets across uh, a lot of different leagues um and, and not have to worry about setting lineups because i know for me and my like 20 20 dynasty leagues i mean setting that lineup every single week is a chore um and 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 not even just the you know for game day like moving people around and, and making trades and doing all that and uh, i think i feel like best ball simplifies it for you but i think um and, and i haven't been on underdog a ton yet i've been on there i'm signed up played a couple done a couple drafts but what i've seen so far what i think makes it a little bit unique than other sites that have best ball um is, is it you can do a 10 person league like you're saying 11 pre, uh, 12 person league or or this huge tournament but 
what I've been seeing, and I haven't jumped in it yet, but what I've been seeing on Twitter is people doing like a three to four person draft. Like, what's that about? So we have a, a three person drafts. We have six person drafts. We have some 10 person drafts. And then we also have not even just for NFL. We have it for all sports. But even within NFL, wow. and this might be something for for the dynasty people out there is we have a rookies and sophomores only draft, which just means we got rid of the rest of the player pool. It's just the, the incoming rookies right now and last year's rookies. And that's the only the only people that are available. So it's like you're Justin Herberts versus um, oh, wow. the incoming quarterback class. And it's just those people. So that is where it gets a little bit trickier because you're like getting yeah. into like Amari Rogers. Like you're drafting these guys who dynasty people know about, but mm-hmm. maybe the other casual fan doesn't, uh, doesn't no know idea. about. So there's, there's a lot of things. Um, yeah. We have this thing called Pick'em, which is basically a player prop parlay system. We have, we're going to have a bunch of new things. So that's the good thing about Underdog is the app right now is super simple to use, but we're going to be adding new features as the team expands because Underdog only was created last year. So we're, we're adding a bunch of people on the marketing side, on the development side. I think that the app will soon grow and we'll basically be able to itch every little thing that you want um, on the site. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely noticed the, um, the, the rise, the, the, um, you know, the underdog coming onto the space and, and, and being a new site. Um, but, but coming on like gangbusters and, and coming out, right. You know, like coming out of the, what do you call the starting blocks the right way by, by having a good team, a good crew, people like you and, uh, on board. And, and I think Peter Overzet's on it too. And you know, so having like good quality people on there, but then, um, doing stuff different and, and, and having the functionality be so right on. And so for a new app, for a new service to do fancy football on a new platform, um, you guys are doing it right. You guys are doing it the right way. And I think there's some longevity there. One, by getting just into the more kind of betting space that like more, you know, the hardcore fantasy football people like, but also uh, the user interface is really nice too, where it's like really easy to sign up, get into a best ball uh, tournament or a league and start doing it. And so, yeah, I'm loving what you guys are doing over there. I'm glad that we're, we're hooking up the undroppables and, and underdog. So yeah, so that's the great thing about uh, about Underdog, in my opinion, um, and I'm super excited to to keep playing this uh, uh, this season and 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 for the partnership that Unjoppels has with Underdog. Um, moving on though, just uh, general football and what's going on, and and I think you you touched on it a little bit, but uh, can we get your thoughts on this Julio Jones trade? What what do you think uh, the, about the fantasy implications of it? Uh, but for both teams, um, and and even with the best ball spin, I mean, were either um, of either those uh, receivers, Julio or AJ Brown, um, you know, someone you're, you're targeting early and, and what does that mean for the other guys on the roster? Um, you know, do we want to take a look at Russell Gage or Olamide Zacharias or stuff like that for best ball? What do you think? So the first takeaway from the trade is uh, I, I went back and watched him and Julio Jones is still an absolute baller. And like, if you look at his analytics, like yards per route run, uh, expected fantasy points, fantasy points over expected EPA per target, all these fancy stats, Julio Jones was still in the the top five. Um, so I think for the, the Titans, they're still getting a superstar if he can stay healthy. Obviously, that means that A.J. Brown, he, he was in my first tier of wide receivers. I had, think I had him as my wide receiver four overall. I had to drop him down a little bit, I think, to like wide receiver eight. He's still wide receiver one in redraft, certainly a wide receiver one in dynasty. But I, I do think that Julio Jones is going to get his in this offense. I think last year he was injured, but when he was healthy, he was t- totally dominant. So... Um, right. Moving on from that, like Ryan Tannehill, somebody I had to move up. I was concerned about the offensive coordinator leaving and then uh, adding 
Todd Downing, who was uh, one of the worst offensive coordinators in 2017, his only year as offensive coordinator. But when Ryan Tannehill has Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones, and a decent offensive line, it can only get so bad. So I moved Ryan Tannehill back up. So uh, from the Titans' perspective, they're going to be one of the most efficient teams in the league. Heavy play action. The defense is really bad, so you're going to get into some massive shootouts where Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry are going to have some awesome weeks this year. Nice. Yeah, and how about for um, uh, some of those uh, the, the other guys on the depth chart? Um, you know, do you are you still targeting them in best ball? Do you think um, like you know f- when that trade happened? Like my first thought was like Russell Gage to the moon. I mean, not say to the moon, maybe to like halfway there, but still pretty high up. He definitely is going <laughs> to increase. Um, but you know, what other guys are, are you targeting um, that are you know second, third on the list uh, for their depth charts? So for the Titans perspective, uh, players like Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, that we're going to be competing for the number two spots. They basically go from like a dart throw in like the 17th round to basically undrafted uh, underdog mm-hmm. because there's only 18 rounds. And once you get to the third receiver in the Titans offense, which is a ton of 12 personnel, you can basically remove those guys. I think Anthony right. Ferkser is still decently interesting as like a mid-range tight end two. I have him like as my tight end 17 overall. He's going to be absorbing some of the Johnny Smith role. Uh, obviously, this Titans red zone offense has been awesome. So I think that Ferkshire still has a chance uh, to find the end zone a couple times this year. So he's still interesting at a really bad fantasy position. And then for the Falcons side, um, I moved Matt Ryan down a little bit just because the on-off splits historically with and without mm-hmm. Julio Jones are drastic. I do don't want to overreact to those too much because now Kyle Pitts is his number two receiver. And previously, it was just Calvin Ridley and a bunch of other guys. I think that uh, Matt Ryan, he's not going to fall off the cliff, especially with Arthur Smith there, who I think is one of the best play callers in the league. So um, Matt Ryan, I think, still belongs like in the QB 1-2 borderline somewhere around there. Calvin Ridley, he's going to the moon. Everyone knows that. And I think that Russell Gage, I moved him up a little bit. I guess like my wide receiver 55, somewhere in that territory. He's going to have some big weeks. Um, I, I do want want to see what the Falcons are going to do with this new cap space they have. They previously were unable to sign their rookies. Now they have like $10 million if they want to uh, add a veteran, maybe if like Jameson Crowder gets cut or something like that, where I don't want to get too bullish on Russell Gage because I'm not sure how good of a player he is. And if all of a sudden you're betting on like replacement level players and he's like inside your top 50, things can get really bad um, this far out from the season. So um, overall, I think both of these offenses are just going to be really fun. Um, they both have established wide receiver ones. And I think that Kyle Pitts makes the Falcons still really interesting. Yeah. Having Kyle Pitts there, man, um, you know, historically I want to just, try to pump my brakes on on where I'm expecting uh, or how I'm expecting Kyle Pitts to perform in year one just because like traditionally right like outside of Evan Ingram no one really performs that well uh, for a couple of years but with a guy like Pitts up there now with such a great talent that he is and without Julio Jones it's it's hard not to just be super bullish on Kyle Pitts and um, and Campus of Canton draft startup draft that I just finished or actually it's still going on right now because those drafts take forever. Um, Kyle Pitts was like the number one tight end off the board in the NFL side, which kind of surprised me, but it's at the same time, like if you're looking in the long run, um, yeah, Kyle Pitts is going to be the man in that offense, especially with how uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons have used their tight ends over the year um, or the, you know, over the years since Matt Ryan's been there, but chalk to bring it back to a dynasty perspective uh, for Julio Jones. 
uh, my guess is that you've probably been selling Julio for maybe even a couple seasons now, but um, how long, if you were still holding on to Julio, how long do you think he still has uh, in this new Titans offense? Um, I think in the dynasty perspective, you know, Julio's still safe for at least a couple more seasons. I think, you know, Hayden hit it on the nose when talking about uh, his efficiency and, and the metrics, if you're looking at it, um, you know, I'm a big fan of like Matt Harmon and his reception perception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, looking back, you know, even though he was injured, uh, he was still dominant, right? He's still a dominant yeah. force, you know, even though he's getting up in age um, because he's just, you know, a special, a special player, right? He's just a special athlete. You know, we don't see players like Julio uh, ever. Um, so I think he'll age, still age gracefully. Um, Tannehill, um, you know, I'll be honest, like I've had to change my perspective on Tannehill over the years. Like I think like most of us, um, you know, he's really proven himself to be, uh, you know, more than a solid quarterback in that Titans offense. And, yeah. um, you know, being paired with an A.J. Brown who's going to take pressure off the defenses from, you know, defenses can't just double either one, right? They're not going to be able to double A.J. Brown or Julio. It's going to, I think, extend his, his career a little bit even longer um, in terms of production. If I'm a contending team, you know, I would definitely look to acquire Julio. I mean, I think, you know, it might be a little tricky to get him at a, at a fair value. But, you know, if you're a contender, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to – to shoot for him. Um, if you're not contending, yeah. obviously this is a decent opportunity to try to move him. Um, you know, it's not, it's not Atlanta, but you know, I don't see it as being a major downgrade, you know, Calvin Ridley in Atlanta was no slouch and Julio still thrived with, you know, playing next to Ridley, you know, obviously AJ Brown is younger uh, and an extreme talent, but you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that you, you're fading Julio really anytime soon. Um, and then outside of them too, um, you have like Josh Reynolds and Fitzpatrick who, I don't see them as a threat to taking, you know, opportunity away from someone like Julio. Yeah. Uh, so from a dynasty perspective, uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm moving him down really. Um, I'd probably keep him where he's at. Um, I don't have it up right now in terms of where he's ranked, but you know, I still see him as a solid, you know, WR two at worst in, in dynasty, um, at least for the next couple of seasons uh, in that efficient Titans offense. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think Hayden made a good point with Arthur Smith actually leaving and ironically going to Atlanta or the off season. I was a little shaky on Tannehill and that Titans offense. Like, you know, they didn't add anybody, didn't draft really anyone of consequence, you know, for the wide receivers other than Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, and joking with some of the guys on the team, I was like, well, you know, maybe Tannehill turns back into a pumpkin, right? Like, you know, maybe <laughs> with the Titans not adding around him, you know, what, what's who's he passing to, right? And then with this Julio um, trade, I mean, obviously, you know, kind of boost him back up, if not, yeah. you know, you know, quite a bit higher than he was. So, um, you know, I, I I like it for Julio. I, I, it wasn't the best, you know, best landing spot I would have hoped for. I mean, I was hoping um, for like the Chargers, maybe um, just being selfish to see something like really fun with you know, Julio and Keenan and Herbert uh, in that explosive like Chargers type offense. But, you know, Titans isn't a bad fit at all. Um, and I think it'll be fun to watch, um, you know, Brown and Julio kind of you know, operate together. Yeah, and I feel like I know the answer to this question before I ask it, but are, are either of you worried about kind of the role that Corey Davis kind of got in that offense over the last couple of years? And, you know, we know Corey came out as a really good prospect, has a lot of great uh, measurables, uh, but didn't really do it on the field. And obviously Julio Jones and, and A.J. Brown both far surpassed that guy. Uh, but just with the scheme and the system with – um, how that offense hasn't really carried two receivers that well. Um, granted, you know, they haven't had two receivers like they have right now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess I are either be worried about uh, his usage uh, in Tennessee. 
I think the coaching staff's gonna have to figure out like which one's gonna be blocking in certain situations, just yeah. because like both of them are alphas, and that's why like Corey Davis was so good at it was like yes. all of the dirty work as the number yes. two, and that the Titans offense need somebody like that just because you're so 12 personnel so run heavy um so that'll be interesting but like for fantasy purposes that doesn't really matter to us i think that this offense and with ryan Tannehill could um definitely could carry two wide receivers you saw with Corey davis um last year kind of break out and i I think the other part of this is the titans defense is so bad they're flipping around all three of their starting corners from last year and they're betting on some iffy players and free agency on defense so I'm expecting this defense to be pretty bad. Combine that mm-hmm. with the AFC South being so bad. I'd, I'm projecting A.J. Brown and Julio Jones to be not only some of the most efficient, efficient players um, at the position, but also to be quite productive. And r- real quick with for Dynasty for Julio, yeah. um, I think that this is good for his longevity because he does have that alpha number one. He's not going to be um, forced into like going against uh, CB1s over the next five years. I think he can age more gracefully in this situation mm-hmm. where he's not being targeted 150 times. If he's the one of the most efficiency efficient players on 120 targets for the next couple of years, that's a win. And I think that um, if he was going to be in another situation, I think that he might have had like a great this upcoming season, but then that's when the injuries can catch up. I think that this is a good landing spot for like yeah. maybe production in three, four years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And, and and pairing him with AJ Brown, yeah, he's not forced to do some of those things that that your alpha needs to do. And, and AJ's young enough where he can still do that. And then yeah, just throw it up high for Julio and do his that's thing. Right. Right? That's right. Yeah. Um that that's that's a fantastic point. Um and so you were mentioning that, you know, with with best ball, um and and some of the guys you were talking about later that um, you know, might be undraftable, uh, even in a best ball where where you're you know, trying to bet on some upside guys, some high upside guys uh, in those later rounds, or at least that's the way I, I, I've approached best ball. Hey, Hayden, what's your general kind of strategy for your drafts? And, you know, you don't have to give away all your secrets here on this podcast, even though I'd like you to, but, you know, what's your general strategy for for how you formulate your, your best ball drafts or how you attack them? So the biggest thing is you have to understand roster construction because there's only 18 rounds. You can't spend four picks on the quarterback because then the rest of your positions are bad. So just big picture, I either aim for two or three quarterbacks. Um, In a perfect world, it's only two quarterbacks. I go four or five running backs and then very heavy on wide receivers, either eight or nine of them, plus two or three tight ends. So I think that's the big first thing is you have to get the roster construction right. And typically – I like going running backs early. It kind of depends on where I'm drafting from. Mm -hmm. But if I can get my top two running backs in the first rounds, that allows me to only draft two uh, other running backs in the later rounds. And that way I can stack up all of these wide receivers late in the draft because in best ball, we're only taking your spiked weeks. If you're not draft, if you're, if you score four points, you're not going to be in the starting lineup. And that's the big difference between, yeah. redraft and best ball is those boom bust wide receiver threes the the will fullers of the last couple yeah. of years when you would start them and they would get you two points that week they're in your starting lineup in best ball they're not so some of these players that you kind of fade because you don't want the headache of like deciding if they're in, in or out of your lineup this is the format to draft those type of players so mm-hmm. um, a couple examples would be like marquez valdez scantling the packers outside receiver you would never ever ever start him in redraft he has way too many weeks where he has zero points but in best ball he's gonna catch a couple long touchdowns as the starting outside receiver for aaron Rodgers. a downfield threat those are the type of guys red zone 
downfield threats, you're valuing those guys, particularly particularly in best ball, over somebody that wins in the slot. Um, like for example, like a Hunter Renfro, like maybe in a deep mm-hmm. dynasty league, he might be a flex option. Yeah. In best ball, he never has a big enough week to crack your best ball lineup. So that's somebody I'm not even wanting to draft. Give me a Marquez Valdez Scantling, who I'm pretty positive is going to have a couple, maybe only two or three, but a couple weeks where he's going to have like 15 to 20 fantasy points. But he has that touchdown upside that, yep. that, that, yeah, those highs are really high. So you, you, okay. So you're not necessarily, cause like I, uh, for, for Rejeff, especially, or even how I formulate some of my startups for Dynasty, I really like to build a high floor uh, and then go for kind of high upside guys. But those upside guys aren't necessarily, those touchdown guys they're they're maybe more of the the slot receiver especially in the ppr league because their 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 floor gets inflated a little bit more by the yeah. amount of receptions they're getting right so guys like cole beasley stuff like that um but what you're saying is, is more those those high upside guys need to be more touchdown dependent kind of guys yeah perfect example is last year underdogs uh half ppr scoring last okay. year uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling and Hunter Renfro each scored about a hundred half PPR points. So, like in redraft, they matter wow. about the same. But in best yeah. ball, um, I, I developed this this little metric called better in best ball points, which basically just like tells you how many points you're scoring above the the 36 wide receiver that week. So if you finish 10 points above the wide receiver 36, you get 10 points. And in that formulation, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, uh, was 30 points more valuable than Hunter right. Renfro because of those spiked weeks. So, for every single pick, like p- rounds 12 through 18, I just want the outside receiver that wins downfield. There's a mm-hmm. couple exceptions, but for the most part, you're looking for ceiling weeks only. If you're drafting for floor in best ball, you're going to be losing money. You want to be very aggressive with the type of players um, at wide receiver who are just going to have a couple 80 yard games. We don't care yeah. how many 30 yard games you have at best ball. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so to me, it seems like uh guys like Tyreek Hill, his first couple of seasons where he was like very much boomer bust and, and, yep. and someone for me that I really hate for fantasy uh, chalk knows, uh, how long I have the disdain for the fantasy locust. Um, but Amari Cooper seems like another great best ball kind of guy because of those high weeks where, and and then you don't have to worry about the ones that he just happens to disappear because he'll come back and score you a bunch of points and be a wide receiver one for a few weeks. Yep. And, and it's good for best ball just in general is like, you can have two totally different strategies and like, we all know Amari Cooper is good, but you don't like mm. him in Dynasty or in Redraft because he's so frustrating. This right. is a good way to get exposure <laughs> to Amari Cooper yes. in another format that's actually best suited for him. So if there's yeah. a couple of players that you wish that you had on your Dynasty roster, but you don't like the headache that they come with, you can do a couple of uh, best ball drafts, and that's a good way to get exposure to some players who are better for one format versus the other. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and and I know we don't uh, interact a ton on Twitter, uh, but I've gone to the point where I've consistently talked so much shit on Amari Cooper for the last three years <laughs> um, that I feel like a real hypocrite whenever I try to like get a share. Um, and I've, I've definitely um, uh, uh, proposed some trades that I want to send out there, and I was I was going to get Amari Cooper, and I just couldn't do it because I feel like I have to stay on brand. Um, I've been calling him the fancy locust for years. I even got Bob Lung, the you know, a uh, guru of consistency to call him the fantasy locust too. And so I just That's keep that. So I just have a hard time, uh, uh, you know, just because I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, I can't talk shit that much and then go and, and, and draft him or trade for him. But I feel like for best ball, um, uh, I, I could do that and still feel good about myself. You got an excuse now. So that's all yes, good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, 
So who, so who are some of your uh, your favorite stacks? And 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 you know, I know for we play a lot of DFS um, uh, here at Undroppables, and so uh, that's a big one for us is getting those stacks that uh, are are gonna you know double up on points. But for best ball, is, is, do you still have the same kind of strategy with stacks? And and if so, uh, are there some favorites that you really like? So I think a lot of the strategies that you'd be applying to DFS tournaments, you can be applying to best ball, specifically for like best ball mania too, that huge tournament I was talking yeah. about earlier. You need to come up with a way that you're either getting correlation, you're getting good values, and if you can get some leverage on some situations. And these are the same terms we keep talking about on DFS podcasts. Yeah. I think everyone knows those, but I think a lot of people when they go over and do a uh, a best ball or a redraft thing, they kind of forget about these same elements, but it still applies a lot of the way. So uh, stacking is hugely important. Um, I always like to have three people in my stack, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and then either the tight end in a perfect world to that tight end, or it's a, it's the third wide receiver in the offense. In the perfect world, it would be like Devonte Adams, Marquez Valdez, Scanling, Aaron Rodgers. That'd be the perfect example. Um, yeah. We have a dominant receiver, a secondary receiver, or a tight end. Um, and I want to do that with basically every single quarterback I draft at best ball. So a couple of them, I love the Raven stack. That's like kind of like my high, high tier stack. I think mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's going to bounce back as a passer. And I think that Rashad Bateman is the big reason for that. I love Rashad Bateman as a prospect. I think he's the yeah. perfect fit for that offense. They needed somebody that's reliable within 10 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what Rashad Bateman is. And then one of my like cheaper stacks would be Washington. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been awesome at fantasy every single time he's been in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And Washington added to their skill group. Um, I think you can, can see Antonio Gibson out of the backfield a little bit more as a receiver. Curtis Samuel as a, a vertical threat or a slot receiver. I yes. thought Diami Brown was an interesting prospect at throwing Adam Humphreys, Logan Thomas. All of a sudden, Ryan Fitzpatrick has some guys to throw the ball to along with Terry McLaurin. So um, that's my favorite cheap stack. Um, the one thing I want to talk about real quick when it comes to stacking is I don't think you should be reaching for your stacks. And a lot of times I see this because everyone hears you must stack, you must stack. Well, if you've reached on the quarterback, the wide receiver, and that tight end for your stack by a couple of rounds, all of a sudden you're picking a worse team in general. So you want yeah. to stack, but you can't just reach on all of the parts of the stack because now you're losing the value part of the formula. Mm-hmm. formula. And that's just as important. So you need to let the stacks come to you. It always frustrates me when all of a sudden, oh, I drafted Terry McLaurin and then I drafted Ryan Fitzpatrick five rounds earlier. No, you just lost all the value. You just kind of shot yourself in the foot. So always let the stacks fall to you, but it's hugely important nonetheless. I love that. I, I think I'm going to clip that as a free nugget for our listeners because that, that's huge. And I think that almost comes in uh, any sort of format, too, is letting it come to you, letting the draft uh, kind of happen. And, and, you know, and of course, you can always, especially in Dynasty, trade up and go get your guy uh, for stuff like that. But, um, you know, and I mentioned that Campus of Canton League I'm, I'm in. And, and because I'm just diving into Debbie, I'm not trying to make too many trades because I don't fully understand all the strategy or at least. I, I don't feel like I have a, a real handle on, on everything, you know, and, and so I'm still trying to learn and still try to get um, uh, my feet wet. Um, but so because I'm not trading in the, in that startup, I, I I'm just letting the drop board come to me, you know, and yep. I'm letting that happen and I'm loving the team I'm getting right now, you know? And so sometimes um, you need to let that happen. You can't force it. 
Um, and, and I like that what you're saying with with uh, with best ball and with stacks to let those happen because yeah, you you can have your eye on on the stacks that you want to get, but like you said, still have that value, still get the guys at the right time. That that's that's great, um, great advice and great strategy to to attack it. Yeah, you have to. It's just like you don't want to force if in DFS if a, a wide receiver was a thousand or fifteen hundred too expensive over his projection, you wouldn't want to be picking that person for your stack in the first place. Like it's a, it's a combination of stacking with value. And yeah. if you can find some leverage uh, as a part of that equation too, it's not just one or just the other, the person that wins the best ball mania too wins a million dollars. He's not going to be um, finding these stacks and he's draft over drafting them by two rounds. He's going to yeah. be the person that found the stacks, let them fall to him, had the perfect roster construction and then found the Justin Jefferson who broke out. You're going to yes. need all these things to work out your way. The biggest way to lose money is all of a sudden you're reaching six rounds to draft um, a bunch of stacks. Right, right. And so I, I want to come back to that stack, but I, I didn't want to lose my thought on what you said earlier about the, the Packers stack. And so I guess one name I was, I was surprised you didn't say was Robert Tunyon, you know, as, as the tight end there, because I thought you were going to say, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon. Um, but I understand what you're saying about MVS, but like, and granted also factoring in touchdown regression, like no way Tunyon's probably going to have the same amount of touchdowns, but um, are you still like an MVS there over Tunyon uh, because of the high upside potential with MVS? I think this is a perfect example where you could go with a four person stack and have Tunyon mm. and MVS because the weeks that MVS has a big game is probably not the weeks that Robert Tunyon has a big game yes. because both of them are so touchdown dependent um, on underdog right now. Uh, Devonte Adams is going in the second round. Aaron Jones going in the second round. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers being drafted over some quarterbacks that he won't be drafted uh, over um, if he does declare. So I think that's another Avenue is if you're, committing to Devonte Adams in the second round, you should almost assuredly draft Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tunyon and MVS because if Jordan loves starting for the Packers, Devonte Adams isn't going to pay off that second round price tag. Yeah. But if Devonte Adams does uh, pay off that second round price tag, that means that Aaron Rodgers was in. And if that means that Aaron Rodgers was in, that means Robert Tunyon's probably undervalued. MVS is undervalued too. So that's a good way to just get the correlation. I think that the Packers, make a lot of sense. Obviously there's a lot of risk involved, right. but like DFS, if you're uh, completely avoiding risk, you're probably not going to win these tournaments. I think this is a, a good example of shooting for upside. We don't care about floors in best ball. Yeah. And so to go back to the million dollar tournament, um, I guess, is that just a separate tournament that, that you're going to um, specifically draft a team for, and there's going to be a separate draft with all these players or how's that going to work with, uh, with, with getting in. So I don't think that you should be doing, you're viewing it as too much differently. Cause if you're doing that, that standard uh, 12 person uh, best ball, you still need to come in first out of 12. Like you still have mm -hmm. to be building for upside to come in first out of 12. If you're only building a team based off of medium projections and you keep avoiding risk, well, congrats, you're probably going to finish fourth place or fifth place, but that doesn't, nobody remembers your name. We're doesn't not going to give you any money for that. So like you have to right. take on some risk. The person that comes in fourth place in best ball, guess what? They had the same amount of money as the person that came in 12th place. So the only thing that ever matters is first or second place. So I think that uh, there's some ways maybe you can take on even more risk in the, the big best ball mania tournament. But I think mm -hmm. in, even in like your classic 12 person best ball league, you still need to be applying correlation. You still need to be avoiding 
are, are aiming for upside and not really worrying about risk. I think both um, in both formats, it still applies. Maybe in Best Ball Mania too, you can find some avenues where you're willing to even take on some more risk. Yeah. And so is it going to be um, uh, like Scott Fishbowl in a way where you kind of win a division and then move up into like kind of the winner's bracket and then go from there? Yep. So the, there's a regular season portion and you either have to come in first or there's some like wild card spots in that. So you have to win your division. And then once you uh, have won your division and then weeks 14, 15, 16, there's uh, one week tournaments where you have to come in uh, first out of 40 people. I don't have the exact numbers, but yeah. eventually after you've won your tournament and you have to win week 14, you have to win week 15 and then week 16 or, in, or actually this year it's week 17. Now that we have uh an 18th yeah. week that's when it's like first out of i think 150 entrants and that's basically okay. where this kind of like dfs principles come into play where if you have an uncorrelated team how are you going to win uh a tournament out of 150 people in that in that finale that's why you still have to come away with some stacks because you need that 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 quarterback to wide receiver to tight end combination to hit in week 17 so stacking is ma- massively important um, especially in the best ball mania too. But once again, like that doesn't mean that you can just like draft all these guys way earlier to complete your stack. You're losing too much value at that point. Right. Always bring on guests. Um, Cause I want to bring on good guests that my listeners want to listen to, but I always joke that like I bring guests on for like myself um, just for like, I can get the information <laughs> that I, um, you know, from you to like, you know, get an edge in this, uh, in, in this million dollar tournament. Cause I'm definitely trying to go and make that happen and, <clears throat> and add my best team that I can. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the last topic we have here just regarding best ball specifically, um, is any late round targets guys that you can get late that you're really high on or you think, um, could have a real good potential kind of mentioned it earlier, you know, who's going to be the Justin Jefferson of this year kind of thing. Yeah. So this is a mid range target and this is, might be like a post hype sleeper and, for me, it's Mike Williams and talking about a player that wins vertically and in the red zone, oh, someone yeah. that's going to be frustrating in your redraft league, but it's going to be awesome in best ball. It's Mike Williams contract year, all the pedigrees there. Obviously there's some injury risk, but like we've said over and over again, you don't really care about the injury risk with Mike Williams. You're looking for that ceiling performance. And if something happened to Keenan Allen, all of a sudden he's the alpha number one receiver for a Justin Herbert led offense the Chargers, they lose Hunter Henry, which was a lot of targets, a lot of red zone targets. Mm-hmm. Their wide receiver three were hoping's Josh Palmer, but Josh Palmer is somebody that might be a starter in the NFL, might not be. Um, we can't really bank on him as a rookie. So I think right now, Mike Williams is being overlooked, um, most mostly because he's been banged up the last couple of years. But to me, I see a path where he can have an, a huge season in a contract here. So that's my like mid-range target. Free nuggets. Some uh, going to running back, some more late round guys, uh, Chuba Hubbard and Darrington Evans. Um, I think some of these same principles where you're looking for upside, a lot of that comes with pure er, pure insurance backs at running back. And I think that Chuba Hubbard, if something happened to McCaffrey, he would have a chance to kind of jump into that Mike Davis role where he yeah. was oh, RB1 some weeks and RB2 in some other weeks. Free nuggets. And I think that Darrington Evans, you can say the same thing with Derrick Henry. And obviously both of those two running backs, um, McCaffrey and Henry, touch the ball so often their injury risk is higher than a committee back. So I think that Darrington Evans and Chuba Hubbard are going really late in drafts. I think that they're going to have a chance to have some weeks where they crack the top 24 um, solely because of of injuries to, to the lead back. 
I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was telling people about Chuba. Um, people were like asking, like, why would you draft Chuba? I'm like, because CMC, like, he gets hurt right yep. there. Mike Davis, like, it's the exact same role. Um, and then Mikey Dubs, like, we we love Mike Williams here uh, at the Unjoppables, at least me and, and the BZBFF do. Um, and I feel like one of the reasons uh, some people this year are a little bit lower on him is because him and I haven't been, like, tooting that horn all year like we have been the last two years um i, I we were really really high on, on mike williams so um yeah totally see that that potential um just kind of still been waiting for him to hit that you know that potential that he really has because i mean the guy was a beast at clemson and we've seen flashes of it um but even like on hard knocks last year um uh, we saw him get hurt in practice and it's just like I, I don't know why this guy's so injury prone or soft or what it is, but he's so big and has uh, a, such a great uh, profile um, and, and potential to be amazing that, yeah, like like you're saying, if, if Keenan goes down or just they just decide to like feed him the ball a lot more because um, Keenan's getting up there in age. I mean, yeah, Mike Williams is a great, uh, great uh, late round draft pick. And, and I think in a lot of formats is, is getting is, is under the radar as, as people have definitely been uh, fading him and not draft him as high as before. And um, I haven't even seen trades recently on him. So it just seems like overall, everyone's kind of sleeping on Mike, which is probably the perfect year that he's going to blow up and go off and, Everyone's going to be like, see, I've told you so. And, I mean, he uh, is this not like exactly like Corey Davis last year where you've yes. seen flashes, <laughs> yes. high pedigree. Um, there was some injuries or some development that needed to go on, but we know the quarterback's good. We know that it's just those two guys in the offense, and then all of a sudden uh, Corey Davis gets signed for Dynasty to be a wide receiver one for his next team, and he mm-hmm. has a huge year, um, and he's basically being drafted in the same spot. So uh, when in doubt, I want to go back to these guys that were um, – first round type of guys that kind of stunk it up. At least I've yes. seen flashes. Um, somebody like Jalen Rager, I'm like, oh, that was yes. like so bad that I'm kind of nervous about. But Mike Williams, when he's been healthy, you've always seen some of these games, like that Saints game on Monday Night Football, where mm-hmm. he's making all these acrobatic catches. You see the flashes, and then right. all of a sudden, in one year, they figure it all out, and then he's a top 25 wide receiver, and you're drafting him as like your wide receiver 55. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of that, um, and you mentioned Corey Davis, where, where are you at with Corey Davis? Cause I mean, I think that's a great person to talk about too, especially from a best ball perspective, because it's been Corey Davis, you know, and like everyone's been off and now he's possibly the wide receiver one on his team. So it's, it's very difficult for me because I think that it's going to take a second for Zach Wilson to acclimate. Um, if you just look at the strength of schedule at BYU and the way that he was winning, a lot of it was like, throwing up go balls and his mm-hmm. BYU receivers were just so much better than the the defenders that they're going against. And we never really saw him um, under pressure because that BYU offensive line was so good. So um, I think that he might struggle a little bit as a rookie, but I think that Corey Davis was signed to be the number one receiver. I'm not that threatened by Denzel Mims. I think Denzel Mims has a specific role and that's not the Corey Davis role. Denzel Mims will win near the sideline down the field. Corey Davis will win everything kind of in between. Yeah. The, my biggest concern is Elijah Moore is a freaking baller. Yes. And we, I think that they're going to move on from Jameson Crowder either right before the season starts or, or at the trade deadline. Mm. But Elijah Moore is a stud. Denzel Mims might be okay in his role. But I, I do think that Corey Davis, um, I have like my wide receiver four or five mix right now. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. I'm not very confident in any of these calls because like it's basically a brand new offense, totally. like completely top to yeah. bottom. So like if you have too much conviction and that's how you get burned. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. But I think like you're saying, it's these guys that um, have had super high upside, especially early on and kind of just gone by the wayside, you know, for, for lack of, uh, 
meeting that high expectation performance that still have that potential to be good. And yeah, Corey Davis in the new situation, uh, one of my other really good friends has, has always been a Corey Davis truther, but he's always frustrated every year. Cause he's like, look at him. Like, look how good he is when he's yep. good. Like he has skills, he, you know, catching uh, balls over the middle and, and any dig route, he goes up and gets it. And, you know, he's not afraid and, but yeah, he just hasn't put it together as a full team. But maybe, maybe there's more context there, like you mentioned early on in the podcast, with with him being more needing to block and do those other unsexy, un fantasy relevant type roles on the football yeah. team. And you know, maybe he gets that shot now uh, with New York. So yeah, I have we'll another. I have a, another hypothesis with Corey yeah. Davis. I haven't back tested this at all, but I do wonder if the smaller school prospects that were drafted in the first round, it takes longer for them to develop, and then you see some of these guys. From the SEC, AJ mm-hmm. Browns, DK Metcalfs, right uh, like right away, Justin Jefferson, boom, right away they're yeah. ready to go because they. It's a couple things. It's the coaching staff. It means they were they've been the best talent their entire life. So there's like some like probably some yeah. more athleticism with these guys. Yeah, and then also it's the, the competition. And also, I you might see um, an offensive play caller be more willing to give Justin Jefferson more on his plate yes. because he knows of his past at at LSU. And yes. maybe coming from Western Michigan, they're like, all right, we have to do baby steps here. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's something to like a smaller school first round guy. Same he's going to break Brown, out a third right? year. Yeah, Antonio he's going to break Brown out year three, bit. four, five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the FCC guys, they're going to break out as, as rookies and sophomores. I love that. I, if I, I think that's your next article, if you if you I need, need to, topic I need to do this. I've yeah. I've had this forever, and I I just haven't done the study on it, but. I, there's there's some examples that I can I, I yeah. can point to that uh, yeah I could totally there might see be some it. merit to it. Well, and 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 that's that's the uh, you know uh, as an NFL scout I'm not an NFL scout but as NFL scouts are looking at these players I, I, you know they they consider that too you know they're they're thinking about that so I think that's a very valid point um, and then you can even look at guys like Randy Moss who went to a small school but really he was a big school athlete he just yeah. circumstance lined yep. him at a small school right um, so he's definitely that outlier but. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely some, at least some correlation there between, um, between those schools and the system and the program. And that's why, uh, especially for quarterbacks, some of these guys like to see, like, is he in a pro style offense in college and is he ready for the NFL? Cause that, I mean, it plays in the big for other positions, but we don't really hear people talk about for wide receivers and yeah, maybe you're onto something there and, and, and yeah, let me know when you, when you write that article. Yeah. I'll this- read it. Yeah, I got I got some downtime in June. This might be something that goes onto another nice. blog for me. Yeah, that's uh that's cool too. I like that you guys are blogging there too. It's not just about uh you know the the platform to play fantasy and do best ball, but you also have a blog there and uh and create some content too. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for for all these guys, and, and I think you gave us some really good uh, later round targets, uh, guys to consider for stacks. Chalk, you wanna? Anything you have else for Hayden before we let him go today? No, I mean, Hayden, thanks so much for joining. I mean, to be honest, when you're talking about, you know, reaching for your stacks, you know, when I was starting to play underdog drafts this, um, you know, a few weeks ago, about a, a month or so, um, I'll admit I was reaching for some stacks, right? I was getting Dak and, you know, I, I got I started with Amari, but then I wanted to stack with Dak and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm like reaching for a Gallup maybe um, just so I can complete the stack or, you know, get – a couple of the guys. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, when you brought out like Mike Williams, it kind of reminded me of a, a recent draft I was in. I, I had a, I had Herbert. I missed on Keenan, but I ended up with Herbert. I had Eckler. I started off kind of pretty well. And I was like, okay, Mike Williams is going to be that sneaky guy I'm going to pick up in the mid rounds. 
and the pick literally right before me, the guy picked Mike Williams. And I swear, on, he dude. knew he knew what I was doing. Right? <laughs> he knew exactly what I was doing. I was tilted. I was like, dude, are you serious right now? <laughs> um, it totally threw me off, and I ended up, you know, waiting to like the last, like second to last round, and grabbing like a Josh Palmer just because yep. you know, like I had to get something to kind of complete, you know, that stack with uh, with Herbert. But yeah, when you brought up Mike Williams, it definitely opened the opened the wound. Um, the pain, but yeah. uh, but but you know, but it but it makes you know validated my 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 thought process, right? It's um, post hype sleeper, so I you know I really appreciate your thoughts there. And then, you know, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, some of the cheaper stacks you brought up, like Washington, um, you know, I'm going to probably go back in today and uh, do some drafts and 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 kind of tune my process. Like this is you know, admittedly, you know, really the beginning of my best ball experience and. Um, it's definitely a mindset change. I would think like you're talking about with, you know, looking for like, the ceiling guys. I mean, MVS, I mean, that's someone that stuck out to me. Um, you know, other guys I was, I've been looking at and, you know, you know, I know we're trying to wrap up, but, you know, like Perriman, uh, yeah. there's not really much in Detroit right now. And Perriman has had those boom weeks. Uh, and another guy, I mean, I'm getting, I noticed I can get him like in the 18th round is like uh, Rashad Higgins. Like, you know, um, yeah. you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Odell Beckham. I mean, he's when he's on, he's on. And obviously there's juice. Uh, Landry's still there. But, um, you know, someone like Higgins, right, if, if you can get just a late, really late round receiver with, with some decent upside, you know, I've seen some boom weeks from Higgins. So uh, I want to throw out that out there. But, no, I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm going to go into some drafts right now and, and try to get some of these sneaky, sneaky guys at the end or <laughs> mid-rounds. Um, so I'm excited to do that. I'm going to deposit some more money actually right after this. And get that's it. right. That's right. Uh, well, yeah. I got one other thing. This is just yeah, kind of man. something I've been saying on every single podcast is the goal should be to have your fourth wide receiver being drafted by round seven. Um, so that you get a little bit of flexibility with a couple of running backs. If you found a tight end early or a, qu- a quarterback early, you can still fit it in. But the second, and you look at best ball win rates historically, the yeah. second that you move past, round seven when you don't have your fourth receiver the win rates really begin to drop so i don't really care where you draft your first second or third receiver within those seven rounds but by your seventh round if you haven't drafted your fourth receiver you're going to be losing some money there so um you got to remember that at underdog there is a flex component typically in uh best ball it's because it's spiked weeks there's more receivers that come with a spiked week so you want to be aiming to fill that flex spot with the wide receiver so uh, the golden rule for me, every single draft, my fourth receiver needs to be in there by round seven. Free nuggets. Like, nice. Yeah, that's great to know, too, especially with the the win rates, you know, looking at it historically. And if, yeah, that that's okay. I'm, let me write this down. Where, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and so, uh, you know, typically uh, – we have a tradition here at the two on one that we, we drop some free nuggets. I ask our, our guests to drop free nuggets for our listeners, not just like words of advice or words of wisdom or, or anything. And, you know, you could kind of say that that last one could have uh, been it, but if you have another one, that'd be great. Uh, uh, Hayden, but you know, either you've just been dropping them this whole pod. So I have a few to, I, I mean, I, we can go back to the, the beginning of the conversation, just talking about, um, I think a lot of people when they're getting hired, the previous the, the the job hirer is looking about where you worked and like the names attached to that. So I think I got lucky by taking some bad jobs, but it was at like people see the brand USC, yes, they like it, they see the brand the Chargers, they like it, and that's how you can kind of separate yourself. So any even any way you can kind of attach yourself to some bigger names, I think that's important. Um, Free nuggets. But yeah, like 
I also got extremely lucky and like, it's not like the blueprint for everybody, but the more times you can surround yourself by big names, um, the better. Yeah, no, I think that's great. That's a great free nugget. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It impressed the hell out of me when I saw it. Um, so I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize. And I, was I, didn't know the Chargers I was literally, I was playing so much ping pong for the Chargers. <laughs> like you just see that you're like, wow, this guy must be super. No, I was playing ping pong and I was like doing the scoreboard for baseball games. Like, but you awesome. see, you it, think it I'm counts. smarter than I actually am, but I was actually just playing ping pong. No, absolutely. And you know what? And it's great that you share that with us, but like no one knows, you know, no, exactly. one's realize no one that. needs to know either. <laughs> exactly. We're just going to see the name. And yeah, so that, that's a fantastic free nugget, uh, especially for new people into the space, into the industry. Uh, yeah. Take, take, take jobs and take jobs with, with big names. Cause it could lead to something else. And uh, you mentioned Evan Silva earlier too. And, and I think that that dude's amazing. Um, we we've had, uh, had him on our other podcast with, uh, Jack's Falcon, the undrafted podcast, which I think, you know, Hayden, if you have time to jump on that one sometime Very later in the summer, uh, or in the season, that'd be a fantastic one. Cause Jack's is great with his dino dynasty game theory and, and your guys's minds, I think would be fantastic to, to kind of melt on that one. But, but we were really appreciate you coming on our show today, two on one fancy sport. Uh, just to kind of like build up this uh, this relationship a little bit more, you know, get to know you more, hear what uh, you're about, what Underdog's about, um, and for everyone to go out there and play best ball because that is the wave of the future. You need to go play play uh, best ball. DFS is fun, prop games are fun, um, but everyone loves the draft, and you know, and that's that's yep. the big thing. You know, you that's where everyone gets their rush from is from the draft. So. <clears throat> that's partly why I'm in 20 leagues because I love the draft. Um, but, you know, like I said, thank you uh, so much for co- joining me today on two on one fantasy sports podcast presented by the undroppables before I go and finish this intro. Hayden, is there anything else you want to plug or where we can find your work or let the listeners know where to find your stuff? Yeah. I'm Hayden winks uh, on Twitter. I have a podcast with Josh Norris. We do we're on the YouTube channel underdog fantasy. We have a show, Monday through Thursday, every single day at 1230 Eastern, we're doing a bunch of different things. A lot of it is best ball focused. So if you're trying to find these little edges that I was talking about here, Josh and I spend hours and hours talking about this. Um, But if you follow me on Twitter at Hayden Wings, you'll, you'll see all my content. Fantastic. Yeah. Make sure you follow Hayden on Twitter. You go over to YouTube and subscribe to the Underdog Fantasy uh, YouTube channel. And while you're at it, just jump on over to the Undroppables YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. Make sure you also like, subscribe, uh, what a rate review, everything. Go give us some love uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, download Underdog today, sign up. Use promo code UNDROPPABLE and start playing best ball now. And also type in the UNDROPPABLES in the search bar wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the great podcast in the UNDROPPABLES network. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's at Chalk, at one one Chalk. Chalk, you want to say anything before we take off for today? No, I just want to thank Hayden again for uh, his time, being gracious with his time and joining us here. Um, I, I remember DMing him when I saw him post, like he wanted to connect with some people and – I was like, hey, you know, I've been stalking you forever, and I, I, you know, I just, I'm a big fan, and you know, I'm not a creep, I swear. And no, but it's, it's, it's great to um, finally connect with you, and you know, the fact that you know we're we're somewhat close. Maybe after this pandemic right. kind of, you know, calms down, we can continue to kind of connect and, and network. Um, but yeah, no, appreciate you having having you on. Looking forward to um, continue to build, um, you know, build the bridge and, and and the connection there. And yeah, I mean, you know, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, guys. Uh, love the love the chat, love the connect um you know share ideas and and let's, let's do it 
Yeah, and make sure you catch uh, Chalk's Art of Dynasty uh, series that he's been dropping. Well, he dropped he's dropping on Twitter, but the the entire uh, Art of Dynasty, his, his uh, what would you call it? not your memoir, but uh, just no, it's just it's just a series and series of articles and thoughts um, through um, that I've collected over the the years playing Dynasty from the smartest people. Um, you know, I'll be honest, it's not really all my thoughts. It's a lot. It's a collection of the different people that I've come across with you know really intelligent ideas and. and and processes and just kind of bringing it all together um, and, and then posting it in a, in a series that, you know, you can just kind of skim through and, and find what you're looking for. Nice. Yeah. I love it. It's great. Um, so yeah. So make sure you follow all of us on Twitter, tune in to all the great content dropping this summer at the undroppables.com. I'm Tommy Mo at 211 FFB. And remember follow undroppables because it sucks to suck. Peace. If you do this for me, you will be a made man. Are you working? To have what kind of work do you do? My team is the raw, see the flawless, the synopsis as we go into the top. And really, there is no other option. Opposition start tripping. I laugh, they even try to top this. Embarrass competition like women caught in public topless. Toxic flows are locking low, blow minds explode. No crimes patrol, just fighting codes. Get broken by those that's supposed to be your bros. Blood is mud because loyalty is gold. Rolling OGs get blown. Guardian Grove bringing the heat like the streets is stoked. Resurrecting real tracks just to kill this beat that's old. Unleashing beast mode, saying T's and royalties get sold. Bringing so much hot fire that I breathe. Without smoke, believe in achieving, succeeding over demons. Trying to test me, give me a reason to take away air you breathe in. Punch like what's in your teeth, then confident, never conceded. I clock in that race of cheaters, dashing and dodging policemen. Leaking ether out the speakers like a faucet and taking flights to the cosmics. I'm breaking up all this bread, so I'm well fed in all my pockets. Instead of killing your conscience, we spreading important words like messages from ancient prophets. Stop it, hold up, and get a tighter grip of this. Still spitting lyrics, sicker than syphilis. No physicists can stop the sickness from destroying phonies into increments. I'm on a higher stage, lighting up like a fireplace Headed for the moon, it feels like my entire mind's erased Pushing heavy place, weakling still on that minor weight Sniper rifle flowing, working shots from many miles away Chill yeah.